Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, February 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Israel plans to raise more funds for defense spending. Investors are feverish about biotech again. And a new report gives mixed grades to the EU's signature COVID recovery fund. So will this fund actually deliver higher growth in the long term? I think the jury's still out. I'm Jess Smith, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. A top Israeli finance official told the FT his government plans to raise about $60 billion in debt this year. It also plans to raise taxes and freeze government hiring. These measures are to fund a near doubling of defense spending to continue Israel's war in Gaza. The war has been costly for Israel's economy, which shrunk by nearly 20 percent at the end of last year. The finance official says he expects the economy to begin recovering as large numbers of reservists are sent home and consumer spending picks up. American biotech companies are rushing to raise funds on U.S. stock markets at the fastest rate since the biotech boom of the pandemic. Last month, drug developers pulled in more than $6 billion on U.S. equity markets, And that ends a two-year fundraising drought that forced many companies to cut jobs and shelve projects. The FT's Nick McGaugh joins me to talk more about what's going on now. Hey, Nick. Hey. So, Nick, the last boom in biotech stocks was during the pandemic. Can you remind us why biotech was so hot then and why investors lost interest? So there were a couple of things going on. Once that kind of initial panic at the start of the pandemic subsided, there were lots of financial markets that boomed just because interest rates were so low that investors were looking for other areas to make returns. And then biotech in particular got this extra boost because of the environment. Coronavirus vaccines got developed so quickly, it made people kind of appreciate the potential value of drug makers. And then there was a kind of reversal when all of those tailwinds started going in the other direction. So interest rates started going up, and then people kind of started to realize that they had just gotten carried away when some of those earlier investments didn't pan out. So what's behind the renewed interest in U.S. biotech shares? So I think the biggest thing that has changed is the interest rate picture. The Fed hasn't started cutting yet, but broadly there is agreement that rates have peaked. And so, again, that helps people feel safer going back to riskier investments. There's also been more kind of reminders that things can go well after those previous failures. So you've had companies report good progress developing drugs, and then also a couple of like big acquisitions by big pharma groups. That has a double impact because partly it just makes people feel optimistic and it drives up share prices. And then also because this sector has a lot of specialist investors who tend to take quite large, concentrated positions in stocks. So if you were an investor in one of these companies that's just been bought out, you now have a big pile of profits that you need to put to work somewhere else in the sector. And instead of spreading that out across lots of small pieces in lots of different companies, it's more attractive sometimes to recycle that into taking a big stake in a new IPO or a big block trade. So how would you describe the current excitement, Nick? Are we back to the levels we saw during the pandemic? 
So we're not yet at the pandemic era peaks, but now we had $6 billion in a single month. So it's a real change. I mean, unsurprisingly, it is still easier for already listed companies to move first. Investors are more familiar with them, and it doesn't take as much prep. But IPOs are also picking up pace, and people are expecting it to continue. Nick McGaw is a U.S. capital markets correspondent for the FT. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Housing prices in the world's advanced economies are on the rise again. According to an FT analysis, house prices across 37 OECD countries grew a little over 2% in last year's third quarter over the previous quarter. It's led some economists to predict that the global property downturn may have bottomed out. Prices dropped two years ago after central banks began raising interest rates to fight inflation. Those declines then eased and even reversed on expectations that central banks would cut rates. But this upturn isn't across the board. In the U.S., the strongest market, nominal house prices rose more than 5 percent. In Germany, property prices fell more than 10 percent. In the European Union, there are concerns over the bloc's signature pandemic rescue program. This 800 billion euro financial stimulus package was designed to boost economies hit by COVID lockdowns and invest in future growth. But a report out from the EU Commission reveals problems that could hamper the program's ability to reach its goals. Our EU correspondent Paula Tama tells us more. Well, the fund was described by some as the EU's most momentous decision. Essentially, at the height of the pandemic in 2020, EU countries decided to jointly underwrite 800 billion of common debt, and this will be disbursed to the countries as grants and loans in order to promote investment in things like green renewable energy, digitalization, and so on, and also on the basis of reforms that they will commit themselves to do. So what's working with the fund and what's not working so well? In terms of the recovery, so helping uh, these countries rebound from the lockdown-induced recession, it did really well, and there is a consensus on that. But then if you look at the other part, so will this fund actually deliver higher growth in the long term, I think the jury is still out. And you wrote in your article that one of the problems is that a lot of the funds for the goal of investing in future economic growth, a lot of that money isn't getting doled out to EU member states or the projects in EU member states. Why is that? There's a lot of a reason for that. In a number of countries, there is a disagreement between the Commission and the capital on whether they have achieved these objectives. And there's other reasons too. Some of it is that the plans got rewritten multiple times to account for inflation, to account for a changing government or other reasons that will make governments want to tweak their plans. And so that was also a lot of time lost. Can you give us an example of a project that's stuck in this dilemma, like a project that's seen as good for future growth but just can't get the funds from Brussels? Yes. If you look at where I'm sitting, which is Belgium, they are trying to build a shiny world-first artificial energy island in the North Sea. And that's going to deliver eventually up to 3.5 gigawatt of power, connect with the electricity grids of Denmark and the UK, and be just a really innovative way and example of how the EU is supposed to 
reduce their dependence on fossil fuels and imported fossil fuels particularly. But Belgium has not yet seen a single penny from the recovery fund to build this island because their funds have been caught up in a dispute with Brussels over whether or not a pension reform that they're supposed to carry out has delivered the expected results. And as I understand it, Paolo, one of the pressures is a deadline to spend these funds, and it's not too far off. What happens if these problems continue? So the fund has to be spent by 2026, and that's a hard deadline. So if countries do not manage to get these funds to ground by then, they simply lose it. And we're now around a third of the fund being dispersed. The largest beneficiaries of the fund, like Italy and Spain, are on track with that. But others have yet to receive any funds, like Hungary, Belgium, or Poland. I think that if countries keep to the implementation pace that they have today, it's unlikely that 100% of the money will get dispersed. So for countries that have staked a lot upon this plan, like their entire energy investments, they have every incentive to kind of step it up a notch in terms of the implementation. The stakes are much higher in a sense because a lot of people are looking at this as a potential for further fiscal integration in the future in the EU. So if it's a success, it may also mean that people are more inclined to take out joint debt in the future. Paula Tama is an EU correspondent for the FT. Thanks for your time, Paula. Thank you. You can read more on all these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.